Hello and welcome to the Art Engager podcast with me, Claire Baum. I'm here to share techniques and tools to help you engage with your audience and bring art, objects and ideas to life. So let's dive into this week's show. Hello and welcome back to the Art Engager podcast. This is episode 10 and today I'm talking about one of my favourite subjects, the art of asking questions. As it's episode 10, in today's episode we're going to focus on 10 common mistakes to avoid when asking questions. Now, before I start, I recommend that you listen to episode four, which is all about the five golden rules for asking brilliant questions. And this will help you to simplify the process of asking great questions and will also help you to phrase your questions in the best way possible. Now, as I mentioned in that episode, asking good questions is one of the best ways to engage your group and make it more interactive. However, asking questions in the wrong way can actually shut people down and can make them frustrated or even irritated. So this week, in honour of our 10th episode, I'm talking about 10 common traps to avoid when asking questions. Now, if you'd like to support the show, you can now encourage my creative side by buying me a cup of tea on buymeacoffee.com forward slash Claire I'll also put a link in the show notes and the show notes for today are available on my website, thinkingmuseum.com forward slash podcast. So let's get on with today's show. So we spend our days asking questions, but most of us never actually spend any time honing our questioning skills. For some people, questioning comes easily, but for the majority of us, we're not asking enough questions and we're not phrasing them in the best way. Now, I feel we're missing a trick here. You know this is one of my favourite subjects. I think that the ability to ask good questions is one of the most useful skills you can have. You can instantly engage people. You can provoke curiosity. You can find out what people already know and you can solve problems. Now, the good news is that we can all become better questioners with time and practice. And interestingly, the more questions we ask, the more we improve our emotional intelligence, which in turn makes us better questioners. So to become a better questioner, it's really important, first of all, to avoid these 10 common mistakes. So as you're listening today, think about which one of these you are guilty of. I've certainly done a few of these in the past. Oh, and do stay tuned until the end because then I'm going to share a follow-up exercise you can do to work on your own questioning skills. So the first common mistake when asking questions is asking more than one question at a time. Now, it sounds obvious, but how many times have you thought you were asking one question, but it ended up asking it in many different ways? 
I often hear a question morph into several other questions by the end of a very long sentence. Sometimes we have a tendency to ramble on trying to explain the question we're asking in a variety of different ways in an attempt to help the group understand what you're asking. However, by the time you finish spelling out all these questions, the group are confused. They're not sure what or how to answer and the conversational flow has been lost. So just ask one question at a time. And the first step to do this is to really think before you talk. Figure out what you want to say before you start talking. And then ask the question and then just stop. Allow thinking time, and we'll get onto that in a little bit, and see what responses come up. You can then rephrase if necessary, if no one answers. But do keep it clear and simple, one question at a time. It's okay to be brief. Okay, number two. Second common mistake is asking questions that are not pitched at the right level. So when you're asking questions, you need to tailor your questions to the level of the group. There is no point asking questions that are too complex or too simplistic as you will just frustrate your group. So you need to use questions in your introduction and throughout your session to assess the group's knowledge, access um, where they're at, what they already know, what they understand about a subject or a theme. Find out where they are at. And then once you know that, you can adjust the level accordingly. Now, if you have a group with varying levels, you want to try to maintain a middle ground whilst aiming perhaps one or two questions at a higher and at a lower level as well. So make sure your questions are pitched at the right level. Okay, number three. The third common mistake is asking leading questions. And I hear these all the time. So leading questions are ones that subtly prompt or suggest a certain answer. And this answer is usually the one that you, the facilitator, guide or educator, wants to hear, whether you know it or not. So, for example, I've heard, how would you describe this painting? Depressing? Or do you think that Rembrandt looks remorseful in this painting because of his difficult life? So both of these are leading questions. And leading questions often provide false answers because the tendency is just to repeat back, mimic or paraphrase what the question asker just said. So they don't give you any insights into what people are thinking. You won't get a response that will surprise you or intrigue you or make you wonder or make you think of something in a different way. It will just be a version of what you said in your leading question. So be very wary of using leading questions. Watch out for any biases that creep in when you're asking your questions. But I think that being aware of that you're actually doing this is a really good step 
to fixing the problem. So the next time you find yourself asking a leading question, notice what effect it has on the group and what response they give. And then make a mental note to yourself to rephrase the question as an open-ended one that invites a variety of responses. So moving on to number four, the fourth common mistake is asking why questions. Why questions can make people clam up because they can sometimes appear challenging, provocative and direct. So for example, when you ask a question like, why do you think that? You are actually asking the person to defend and justify their thoughts or point of view. It's the why do you that's the issue here. I'm not actually against all why questions. I think that, you know, using why in a lot of circumstances is, is really helpful, like the five whys, for example, in problem solving. But you should avoid asking why questions in relation to people. So instead of using why, you can replace the word with what instead. So instead of saying, why do you think that? Try saying, what do you see that makes you say that? Or what factors led you to those thoughts? You could also say, tell me more or tell me about that to gather more information. And the aim here is to be able to learn as much as possible to understand what they see that you don't see or what they know that you don't know. So be very wary of why questions in relation to people. Okay, number five. The fifth common mistake is asking the same type of questions over and over again. So in my book, repetition means predictability because people will switch off. So if you ask what's going on in this picture as you arrive at every artwork on your museum tour, it's just a bit too predictable for my taste. Sorry for the visual thinking strategies fans out there. Some people might like knowing what's coming next, but others will just switch off. And it reminds me very much of a translation class I had at university. And the teacher went round the room every lesson in a clockwise fashion, asking you to translate the next sentence. So you could basically work out which sentence was yours and then you could switch off for the rest of the class, which I did. So predictable equals dull in my book and I always prefer to add a mix of questions. Now, even if I do observation at every stop with every artwork or object, I will change up the questions I ask, the thinking routines I use, and I will also change up the way we work together. So as a large group, small groups, a pair, share, written, drawing or spoken. So make sure you add more variety and that you're not just asking the same type of questions. So number six is not allowing thinking time. So ask the question and then stop. Wait. I so often 
hear the guide or educator go in with a follow-up question before the group have even had a chance to properly look at the object or think about an answer. So just wait. Give everyone the chance to respond to your question. If necessary, count to five in your head before even thinking about saying anything. Be patient and comfortable with the silence. You need to think of it as thinking time. Okay, number seven is calling on participants to answer questions. And this is a pet peeve of mine. And those of you who know me, who've worked with me, know that it really, really peeves me. It makes me feel very uncomfortable on a tour or on a, in a session with any type of group. So I've seen people asking all the participants to introduce themselves in front of the group. Um, this can be really difficult for introverts. So I prefer to ask each participant a few questions individually. And I also prefer not to ask too many closed questions either. See back to episode four for more on open and closed questions. But you need to think that some group members may take longer to warm up than others. And some may not be very confident at the start, uh, particularly in these COVID times and re-entry and reopening into social situations. So some people may not want to offer any thoughts until later in the programme. And pointing at someone for a response will only make that person feel put on the spot and may affect their willingness to speak later in the programme. So I really dislike calling on people to answer questions. I don't think you should let any one person dominate the discussion, but equally you shouldn't put pressure on people to respond to you. And you've heard this before, but I'll say it again. My mantra is people should feel encouraged, but not required to participate. So number eight, this is all about ignoring or not understanding responses. So if you don't understand the response someone has given you in answer to one of your questions, don't just nod. Ask for clarification. Repeat the answer back. Uh, you can restate it or you can paraphrase. Uh, so you believe that or you can say, let me check that if I'm understanding this correctly. Or you could ask another question to get more information. Perhaps you could say, could you tell me a little more about or I'd be interested in hearing more about. You could also ask for more evidence using the really, really handy phrase, what do you see that makes you say that? So make sure you're not ignoring or not understanding responses. Every participant that offers you an answer to your question needs to feel that they've been valued and understood. Now we're at number nine of the common mistakes to avoid when asking questions. So number nine is about not keeping the discussion on course. So this is when you shouldn't be afraid to step in and refocus the conversation where necessary. 
So as we know, there there might be some people in your group that may be more dominant than others. Some people might just offer a few words in response to your questions. Some might go on for a bit longer, for a few minutes. And part of your job is to manage the discussion. So you can manage the discussion really well by just uh, interjecting a few questions at appropriate moments. Um, You can stop someone even in mid-flow if need be, if I may stop you for a moment. And I think most people are rarely upset um, by an interjection that will actually let them continue talking. You can actually ask additional questions at this point that will make that person feel understood and valued. And you can use these additional questions to keep the discussion on course. And this will help you to maintain the control and the flow of the discussion. Now we're at number 10. So the last common mistake that I'm going to talk about when asking questions is asking any questions. So asking any questions at the end of every stop on your tour or every five minutes during your programme if you're working online, doesn't make you more interactive or engaging. And it certainly won't win you any fans. So you should be asking people to ask questions throughout a discussion. They should feel that they have the time and space to ask wondering questions as they go along, not at the end. And I really think that asking any questions is a surefire way to get people to forget even if they did have any questions to ask. You'll be guaranteed tumbleweed and silence as people scramble to think of anything to ask. And by the time you've asked this for the fourth time, people will have given up caring. I've actually been on a guided tour where this was asked 15 times. I was getting to the point where I was cringing, waiting for the any questions moment and the silence that followed. So instead of asking any questions, obviously encourage questions throughout, but a better way at the end, perhaps when you're waiting to move on to the next stop, would be to recap the main points of the discussion and remind participants of where the conversation has gone. And at the end of your recap, you can ask if anyone has anything further they'd like to add, or if they're still wondering about anything. But generally, remind participants to ask questions throughout. So, that's my 10 common mistakes to avoid when asking questions. I'm going to recap them now for you. So, number one, is asking more than one question at a time. Number two is asking questions that are not pitched at the right level. Number three is asking leading questions. Number four is asking why questions. Five is asking the same type of questions. Six is not allowing thinking time. Seven calling on participants to answer questions, eight, ignoring or not understanding responses, nine, not keeping the discussion on course, and 10, asking any questions. 
So as promised, here's a follow-up exercise for you to do to improve your questioning skills. So next time you're leading a program, uh, whether it's in person or online, if it's in person, you can keep your phone in your pocket and press play on a voice recording app, something like Voice Recorder. If you're working online on Zoom, just hit record. And afterwards, you want to play back the recording and listen out for any of these 10 common mistakes. So to keep track, I would list the above mistakes from 1 to 10 on a sheet of paper and put a tick mark next to a particular mistake you make each time you hear yourself making it. And when you're finished, pick an area to focus on and practice using some of the strategies mentioned above. So I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please share it with a friend or leave me a review. And don't forget, if you'd like to support the show, you can now buy me a cup of tea and encourage my creative side on the website buymeacoffee.com forward slash Claire You can also find me on Instagram most days at Thinking Museum. So do head over there and tell me what you think. And I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Art Engager podcast with me, Claire Bowne. You can find more art engagement resources by visiting my website, thinkingmuseum.com. And you can also find me on Instagram, at Thinking Museum, where I regularly share tips and tools on how to bring art to life and engage your audience. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share with others and subscribe to the show on your podcast player of choice. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.